Welcome to Obsessed Show, a podcast that is designed to inspire, featuring some of the most creative people in the world. I'm your host, Josh Miles. Let's talk about today's episode. Today on Obsessed Show, I'm chatting with the CEO of Big Cartel, a platform that's helped enable more than 1 million artists and makers sell their work directly to consumers via online shops. Anna worked her way up through the company to recently being named CEO. We'll talk more about Big Cartel and her journey to the C-suite. But without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Anna Brozek. Okay, kids, all the way from Chicago, please welcome Anna Brozak. Anna, welcome to Obsessed Show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So first of all, I'm really curious about this. I understand before you started taking over the world as CEO of Big Cartel that you and your husband owned a record shop. Yes, that's correct. We had- so how did you find yourself in that business? <laughs> um, it's funny. We were both uh, we were newlyweds. We'd been married uh, just about two years when we opened the record store. And we were working sort of like early 20s, dead end jobs. Um, but we were obsessed with mm -hmm. music. Like we would go to our local record shop every payday and treat ourselves to like a new CD or record. We would go to all of the local shows. We were living in Phoenix at, at the time. And so we would, you know, go to every in-store performance or every bar performance. We just couldn't get enough. Um, and sort of in reflecting on what we wanted our lives to look like together, we came up with this crazy idea to open a record store. We had visited some friends in Salt Lake City um, during the fall one year, and we fell in love with the city itself. We knew we had a community of people there that we loved, and we also felt like they were sort of lacking in this very specific type of record shop that we thought we could fill in the gaps for. So we ended up buying all of the inventory and fixtures and everything from our favorite record store in Phoenix, mm. the woman who owned it, um, Stinkweeds is the name of it. <laughs> she has had two locations at the time and was, you know, downsizing to just the one location. So it's still open there. If you're listening in there in Phoenix, it's the best record store there, hands down. Um, but we took everything from her Tempe location and packed it into the back of two giant U-Haul trucks and drove through the mountains of southern Utah, through Zion Canyon <laughs> um, National Park, and, and made our way up to Salt Lake City, where we, you know, unloaded these trucks, and voila, we had a record store suddenly in our early 20s, and, and there, there it was. It was amazing. It was a really fun time in our lives. That's pretty awesome. I've got yeah. a, speaking of CDs, I have a giant box of CDs in my basement. So if you know anywhere that I could. So do I. <laughs> so I have, we it's not light either. It is no. so, so, so heavy. We switched to records, you know, are in our own collection years ago. I mean, very shortly after mm -hmm. opening the record store. And, but we kept all of these CDs because as we were packing up the shop, once we closed it, um, you know, we just put everything in the basement. And then when we were actually moving from Salt Lake to Chicago, we had talked to, you know, the, the record store in town in Salt Lake that was still around. And the kid behind the counter was like, Hey, did you know that like high school kids are buying CDs again? Oh. I was like, That's 
so weird. He's like, yeah, it's like, you know, people buying records or people buying cassette tapes, like kids think they're cool. They're like a novelty. And so my husband and I were like, all right, I guess we'll just keep these because I would be so mad if I was very mad when my parents like got rid of their record collection oh, right. when I was yeah. in high school. Um, like I would kill for some of those records right now, but they're gone. They were like off in a garage sale. So we've kept all of our CDs in the off chance that one of our kids eventually wants them. Although I'm sure they'll like resent it as they're moving us into the old folks home and like having to sort through all of that for us. <laughs> well, if any CD of some obscure grunge band from the nineties is really valuable, then oh and I've got a, a gold mine in the basement, but that's what Hold the majority on tight. Of my, <laughs> my junk is. Oh my goodness. So we didn't actually plan this show just to talk about music, although we probably could the whole time, um, but, but maybe to uh, level set on something else. Um, just for our listeners who are not familiar, I mean, I, I said yeah. a little bit about Big Cartel at the start of the show, but um, just so our listeners understand at a high level, we'll dig into some other stuff here in a sure. minute, but at a high level, what is Big Cartel? At the highest level, we are a platform that helps make it super easy for artists and creatives to sell their work online. Very nice. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sure we have a ton of listeners here who are creators who are either seriously considering selling their work online or they've they've at least fantasized about it before. Like, oh man, that poster would be really cool if yes. I just set up a little shop or I'd love to do a t-shirt shop or, you know, make, make pins or what, whatever it is. And I want to get into all of that stuff, but yeah. um, I understand your path to the C-suite as CEO of Big Cartel, um, you know, started lower down in the company and you've worked <laughs> your way up. So I want to hear a little bit kind of about your story and about um, how the founders asked you to, to step up to the CEO role, which is, which is a really big deal in the, in the yeah. life of a, of a startup or, you know, any business of when, when you're ready to replace yourself. So that was like yeah. 18 questions. So I'll just let you talk about <laughs> <laughs> that story for a minute. You got it. Um, so big cartel actually hired me, uh, in 2011, I was nine months pregnant and it was, we were closing up the record store. My husband and I knew we needed, you know, real jobs that had salaries and health insurance in order to <laughs> raise our family. And I sort of applied for this job on a whim. I didn't really think anyone would hire someone who was just about to have a baby. Um, <laughs> but you know, lo and behold, it was for a marketing coordinator position. So it was like the number two person on the marketing team. There were only, I was the 10th employee when I was hired. So there were nine other employees. And um, I thought, well, you know, like I've done a lot of marketing stuff for the record store. I feel like I had, you know, established a really solid community in Salt Lake and sort of proven that I was capable of doing that. Um, in town. And so I threw my hat in the ring and lo and behold, got hired for this incredible job, just helping to build out the big cartel community. Um, and it was so fun. I did that for two years. I worked under Dan Christofferson, who I'm sure some of your listeners know, because um, he's an incredible designer. Mm. And uh, we had a lot of fun sort of just, you know, doing a lot of like the marketing and branding and event sort of things for Big Cartel. Uh, but after two years in that role, um, I was very randomly asked if I would want to lead our customer support team as the director mm. of customer support. 
And that had never really occurred to me, but at Big Cartel at the time, support was the only team we had that didn't have a director. They had, you know, sort of been just flying like fast and loose, like answer as many emails as you can, help as many customers as you can. Um, but they didn't have, there wasn't a lot of like structure around many of the teams at the company at the time in general, Mm -hmm. but especially support. And I think Matt and Eric, who are our co-founders had learned that maybe their, the quality of life for people on the customer support team was suffering because of that. Whereas, you know, we had this great company culture of flexibility and freedom and autonomy. So if in the middle of the day, it's like a gorgeous afternoon in Salt Lake City, I could say, you know what, I'm going to take two hours and run to the zoo with my daughter and just enjoy the day because I could do that. Um, But the support folks weren't feeling so much like they had that same freedom. Um, And so my job was really to come in and help add some structure to that team so that they could enjoy the same quality of life and like have that same work-life balance that everyone else at Big Cartel was enjoying. Um, So not a bad job to have when they're like, be a manager, but do it to (laughs) make everyone happy. And I was like, yeah, I love this. I came in like Santa Claus, like just offering up like flexibility and autonomy. Um, (laughs) This sounds more like Oprah than Santa Claus. (laughs) Oh yeah, you're right. Oprah. (laughs) You get flexibility and you get flexibility. (laughs) Bees for everybody. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I did that for two years. I built up our support team from, let's see, three people to I think nine around when I left. Mm-hmm. And um, I was the first woman on the big cartel leadership team, really able to like get in on some sort of ground floor conversations there around diversity and inclusion and our hiring and sort of like what hidden biases we might have. And then all of that sort of led to me rewriting our Uh, employee handbook and reviewing all of the benefits we were offering and making sure, you know, we had things like unlimited paid time off. But by that time, the industry was sort of learning and we were seeing ourselves that unlimited time off doesn't mean people take more time off. In fact, we were seeing people were taking less of it. Um, It's so strange how that works, but it's pretty consistent. It, it is. And I mean, it makes sense logically when you think about it, like there's so much pressure. You don't want to be the only person taking a vacation when no one else on your team has had one yet. and You don't want to leave people hanging. And so, you know, we were, we were struggling with all of that too. And so, you know, we, we reformatted how we do that. Now it's like a minimum of four weeks vacation time where your manager is regularly asking you like, Hey, have you had vacation yet? Are you planning a vacation? You really should take one. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a much healthier relationship to things like time off. But it was my experience doing those sorts of things at a company-wide level while I was representing the support team um, that led Matt and Eric to then offer me a new position as the operations director at Big mm. Cartel. And we hadn't had this role before at the company either. Um, so I sort of paved the way I handled all sorts of very random things. Um, Matt would joke that I became an expert in the weirdest areas. Like I could tell you (laughs) so many like things about sales tax or the GDPR or just like very random business things. All the things Um, that creatives (laughs) want to focus on. Yeah, totally. 
but it was a really diverse plate of responsibilities. So it was a really fun job. And I felt like I had a really strong influence on the company culture and the type of company we were building, which was exciting and like, you know, really special to be a part of. Um, Gosh, so I did that for just about three years when um, we were at our company holiday party, which happened to be in Sundance, Utah. And, you know, Matt and Eric texted me during one free afternoon and they were like, do you want to have lunch? And I was like, okay, sure. But a little weirded out that my bosses were asking me to lunch during our company holiday party, like a private, like, yeah, we're not bringing our plus ones. It's just us. Um, and so I meet them for lunch and they, they said they wanted to step out of the day to day and asked if I would take over as CEO. And I think I laughed. Like I thought they were joking. <laughs> we sort of joked. You guys are hilarious. Merry yeah. <laughs> we joked for years as, as a leadership team that Anna was going to like have a coup and like take Matt's job, which I had no real, I had no intention of doing that. No one yeah. I think ever really thought that Matt or Eric would ever leave the day to day of big cartel. Um, so once I got over the laughing and they were like, no, we're serious. It took a moment to realize like, Oh shoot. Yeah. They really do want to get out of the day to day. And like, that's weird. Like, what does that look like? What is, what is that? How does that impact the company? How does that impact everybody individually? Um, there were so many questions flying through my head, but I think also the most obvious answer was that I felt like if they're going to do this, that I had to be the one to take over because I was the one that could sort of bridge that gap. Um, I didn't want them to leave and bring in an outsider, um, who didn't understand this amazing company and the culture and the individuals and our ethos, you know, all of that stuff was so important to me that we sustain that and maintain that, that I had to say yes. Um, because I knew that, that I was the only person that could really take us from Matt and Eric's vision into sort of continuing what we'd built and, and growing it even further. Yeah. I've always noticed that the, the best and most natural um, promotions are the ones where it almost felt like that person was already doing that job before yeah. they got in that seat. So even the fact that they would joke about <laughs> coup or whatever, it was probably yeah. because you were obviously doing a lot of leadership or taking on a lot of leadership responsibilities, even yeah. from operations role. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think it was just still so surprising because again, like we just never thought they'd leave. I mean, they're young. They're, I think Matt, well, I won't, I won't, say what well, birthday he just had because it's a big one <laughs> but <laughs> they're young dudes like I thought they'd be around forever and you know lo and behold here we are it's been just over a year <laughs> well one of the things I noticed about um, the big cartel website is you guys talk a lot about being independent and I'm curious um, you know I can I can guess all the reasons why you guys are proud of that but maybe um, tell us a little bit about why that's important to you or maybe why that's important to the the end user, your, your clients. Um, being independent, especially financially independent is huge for us because it means we're not answering to stakeholders. Uh, We're not answering to investors. Mm -hmm. Um, we're not beholden to the bottom line. And a lot of times the decisions we make as a company and as a product, um, are better for people than they are for our profit. And we know that, you know, we can be more, 
data driven and monitor every mouse click you have on our sites, but we right. will never do that. Like that's a hard no from us always because privacy is important and it matters to us. And we can say that we can put our foot down and say, no, we care about this because we're independent. And I think that matters, you know, from, a, from our ethos standpoint, like what we value is hopefully what our users value. Mm-hmm. And I think it also in a fun way lets us identify with our users because we're really, we're, you know, we're not going after, you know, Kim Kardashian's web store. Like we're going after indie artists who are trying to make cool stuff to sell. And we can relate to those people because that's who we are too. Like most of our team at Big Cartel are creators of some sort. And we all really value sort of that DIY indie punk um, environment of just not being beholden to anyone but yourself. And so I feel like from an ethos standpoint of the decisions we're allowed to make as a company, right down to identifying with like the type of people who are using our platform, that independence really runs through all of that for us. Yeah, that's, I think it's a great benefit. And that's, I think all of those things are pretty rare, especially in the, in the tech startup space that that there's no investors and that you're Yeah, completely- I think so too. I mean, when we tell people that, I feel like they're always quite surprised, especially <laughs> when we talk about like our size too. Like there's only yeah. 37 of us. Um, and so, yeah, to, to be totally independently owned, um, no investors, no shareholders, and, you know, a little bit of a punk rock attitude <laughs> with just 38 of us, 37 of us, it's, it's a fun place to work and it's fun to, it's a fun community to be involved in for sure. So having come up with, um, come up from the ranks or through the ranks, whatever that Mm -hmm. right proposition (laughs) is. Um, I'm, I'm sure you've kind of carried some things with you as you've gone from role to role. Um, and, and I'm curious what, what CEO looks like for you. Like, I'm sure there's not a quote unquote typical day, but you know, what, what does your role look like? Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think, Um, the biggest difference from this role in this role from my operations director role is really the amount of high level thinking I do on Mm. a daily basis, which is so weird because sometimes I, (laughs) (laughs) and also it just feels strange to not always be doing, you know, I think in the operations role, there's always a checklist. There's always something going on. You move, you complete a task, you move on to the next one. Whereas I think at the CEO level, some days are certainly like that, but a lot of them are really, like, I feel silly. Like I just sit on a sofa in my office or sit in my chair and I just think I have to, you know, like you think about, you know, very specific things. It might be about Mm -hmm. the feature we're working on currently and the timeline and solving that problem, or it might be what's coming up you know, in in the next quarter or what's coming up in four years, you know? Um, But the amount of just like sitting with my thoughts and trying to, to harness those and navigate those in a really productive way for everybody else is a strange adjustment for sure. Um, So some of your current client users include Juliette Lewis and Jessica Hish, who I think (laughs) both need to be uh, on the show. 
Um, but maybe for, um, so obviously you've got some amazing creatives who are using uh, the platform, but for listeners who are considering a first step, um, what should they be thinking about before they start selling their creative work? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, you know, I think maybe the first step is probably thinking about why you want to sell your work. Mm -hmm. Cause I think that will really affect the path you would take, you know, for someone, um, like Jessica, it could be like, this is my brand. This is my life. This is what I do. You know, she is yeah. an artist, a designer, a creator. And so to have a tangible shop where she can sell pieces of her work or download downloadable, um, you know, fonts or icons, that's an important part of just her overall business. And so she's going to come at that a lot differently than someone who has, uh, you know, is doing a fundraiser and it's just sort of a one-off thing where they're making a t-shirt for a special event and they want to fundraise for that. Or very different from someone who's just testing the waters to maybe start a business to become a Jessica Hish. Um, you know, like, do I have what it takes? Do people actually want to buy this print or poster from me? Do they want to buy this pin? Um, and so I think once you get really clear on like why you're doing it, are you testing the waters? Is this something that you need to do to, you know, be financially independent? Is it just fun weekend money? Um, or is it just a personal challenge for yourself? Um, I think all of those things can affect the direction you take when opening a shop and how you promote yourself. Um, so yeah, I think that figuring that out is probably the best first step you can take. Sure. Totally makes sense. So this is kind of a geeky question, but, um, technically speaking, how does it work? Is this a completely hosted thing where you're going to a separate site that is the big cartel page that comes from your, uh, your system? Or is this like something that I copy and paste a little bit of code and drop it into my WordPress or Squarespace or whatever platform I'm using? Yeah, I think when we first started, um, there were more people who were sort of embedding their big cartel stores within like a Squarespace or, well, Squarespace wasn't around back then, I don't think, but uh, a WordPress site. Um, yeah. And and now I feel like that still happens. Someone will have like, you know, their own hosted site somewhere and maybe you'll see like a shop link in the navigation and that will just take you to the big cartel store and it can be a seamless experience. So the end user doesn't even know that they're leaving, you know, Squarespace and going to big cartel. It just looks like a new page on your site um, with a subdomain that's probably like shop obsessedshow.com. <laughs> right. Um, or, you know, like many people sort of use Big Cartel. And I think this is probably the most common thing is people just use it as their all in one thing. So my, you know, obsessedshow.com is just your Big Cartel site. Um, you use a custom domain so people don't even have to know that it's through us and you can throw up your products there for sale. You can add custom pages. You can have an about page or, you know, shipping and return policies. You can put multiple photos up, all sorts of things. So any tips for someone who's just getting started into this and like in either keeping things consistent or how to think through how to build out their, their cart page? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that 
I'm sure that your listeners are very keen on like what their brand identity is and what their aesthetic is. And so staying true to that, you know, in your web store is obviously going to be paramount to building an audience and having them identify, you know, like, oh, this is very clearly, you know, your shop. Um, but I think too, patience, I think is important, you know, not expecting, you know, floodgates to open overnight just because, uh, the shop has gone live. I think it's important <laughs> to remember like it's a business or a hobby or, but it takes work and it takes a little bit of effort. Um, and so it's important that, you know, you, you get out of it what you put into it and, and having sort of that right frame of mind as you, as you enter the project is certainly going to be helpful for longevity and sustainability. Yeah, there's that whole, uh, if you build it, they will come yeah. to the dreams problem. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with a lot of 15 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, are there any other features that are coming up? Anything like, you know, product roadmap kind of stuff that listeners might be excited or maybe current users wouldn't know about that are coming soon? Yeah, we've got some exciting things that our team is working on. Uh, one of our designers is a musician and he's in like a very like musician community in Boulder, Colorado. And he just finished designing a new theme for our users that is designed with bands and record labels in mind. So for anyone selling music on Big Cartel currently or thinking about it, this new theme, which should be out in early March, is called Roadie, and it will have all sorts of additional little features and modifications to themes that will be super helpful for people trying to sell music. Um, we also have a new feature rolling out in the next couple of weeks that will allow Big Cartel to collect and remit sales tax on behalf of our stores, which, you know, our job as Big Cartel is to make it easy for artists and creators to sell their work online. And this is just us doing the heavy lifting on one of the most unattractive parts of running a business, which is sales tax. <laughs> yeah, that's just a hassle otherwise. Yeah, it's kind of a downer, to be totally honest. <laughs> and so <laughs> we have been very hard at work to, you know, alleviate that downer of a burden from our stores in the U.S. at least right now. Um, so in the next few weeks, that should be launching and rolling out. So stores won't even have to give it another thought when they're using Big Cartel, which is pretty exciting for us. So all of us have things that go a little sideways. I'm sure never at Big Cartel, but <laughs> just in theory, if there's a, a bad day or a problem, how, how do you get yourself kind of recentered or help your team kind of work through um, rough spots? Um. Oh man, that's rough. I, it, you know, it depends a lot on like what it is, but I, you know, we're a mostly remote team. Almost everybody works from home. We have a small office in Salt Lake that about three or four people work out of occasionally. Um, but when things get hard at work, I like to try and take it to a video call. Um, because I feel like it's so easy when stress levels are high or anxiety is high that when you're operating in a text only situation to read into things in the worst possible way. Um, and I feel like once you get someone where you can like make eye contact with them, and I think it's actually helpful that it's a video call and not in person, um, you know, because we work with a lot of introverts. And so I think there's like a nice 
safety net there doing it just via video. Um, but once you see that person and can have a conversation and read their body language, a lot of times like the intense nature of the conversation will soften. Um, and that's a can, really good point. Yeah. We can focus on like solving a problem together. My favorite thing is just always reminding people that we're on the same team. Like if we're having a heated disagreement about something, it's because we both care equally passionately about solving a problem. Um, it's not because, you know, we're, we just don't like the other person. It's not because we're trying to, you know, damage their reputation or, you know, undercut them. Like we're all doing this for the same reasons. We all have the same goal in mind and we're all on the same team. And I think sometimes that's all it takes too, is just a quick reminder that we're human. We're working towards the same goal and, and let's try and do that, you know, in a way that's really productive and healthy for everybody. Okay. Maybe tell us about one of your proudest professional moments. Um, I mean, if I can be a little bit vain here, I have to be honest and say that my proudest professional moment was becoming the CEO of Big Cartel. It was such an unforeseen path for my career to take. And, you know, I, I'm really proud of it. And I'm excited that both of my daughters get to grow up knowing that their mom is the CEO of a software company. Um, I'm proud and thrilled that, you know, people on my team know that there can be non-technical people in, in company leadership who, who can be the top of company leadership. I think that that's an exciting step. Um, you know, and it's a lot of work. There's no doubt my life has definitely changed and I've had to make adjustments over the last year in this role. Uh, but I'm incredibly proud and I'm, I'm so excited for the work that we've done over the last year as a team and even more excited about how well we're working together right now and how that's going to take us forward many years to come. And that I get to play a pretty significant part in that I think is worth being proud of. I think that's a pretty big one to be proud of. That's a <laughs> good choice. Thank you. <laughs> good choice. So I ask a lot of our uh, guests if they have like a design hero or a favorite, you know, creator that they look up to. And in your case, you've got a whole bunch of creators that you host. So maybe it's one of them, but I'm curious if you have a favorite, favorite artist or creator that, that you enjoy. Um, well, this changes so frequently. I mean, as the wind blows and our moods change right now, creators that I'm loving include Lena wave, who is a filmmaker, mm. uh, and story, you know, storyteller. She's from Chicago. She is absolutely incredible. And I, I think about her storytelling and often, um, there's a visual artist who uses Big Cartel intermittently. I don't think she sells a ton of her work anymore, but she's a painter and printmaker. Her name is Rachel Blumberg. Uh, she's also a musician who's been in some incredible bands like the Decemberists or Norfolk and Western. She's toured with Bright Eyes as their drummer. Mm, cool. um, but she's a beautiful painter, and I have a lot of her work around the house. That I love too. So I would say, you know, when I think about artists I'm in love with right now, I would say those two are creators that come to mind. Well, one of my other favorite questions to ask our guests um, 
is the obsessed question. So, you know, most of our guests have always been very obsessed with many things. And I think being in the creative world, it's kind of easy to find the latest thing to be obsessed with. So I'm curious, either in work or in life in general, really can be anything. What do you find that you are most obsessed with right now? (laughs) Right now, I am most obsessed with our 2020 election, which is like a not fun thing to be obsessed with, but I can't help (laughs) it. It's the truth. I obsess over it. I read every article. I follow polls. I follow what candidates are saying and doing. Um, I talk about it with friends and family because I feel like that's what we should be doing in a very polite and helpful manner. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that's definitely like top of mind. And I think it'll be hard to become unobsessed with it until after the election, but trying not to let it, you know, dominate my life in a negative way, but it's definitely what I'm obsessed with right now. Yeah. It's, um, you know, not to, uh, hopefully not to get super political, <laughs> but at this point in the game, or at least at the time of recording, because we'll be a couple weeks out from yes. this, there are still so many candidates. It's almost hard for me to like focus. Yes, and, and maybe maybe that is when we should all be paying attention. But there there are so many options right now. It's almost hard to like get your heart set on who I could know. be in the running because. They could drop and out it after the next week. one. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we have, you know, more primaries coming up and after each primary, we'll probably lose a candidate or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's super, it's a super weird time to, to be thinking about it and be obsessed with it or to like put your, all of your eggs in one basket. Um, but yeah, it's definitely what's top of mind for me daily. Very cool. Um, <laughs> Is well, it? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I think it's it's interesting for sure. I, mean, I don't think that has ever been an answer on the show before. You know what I'm really obsessed with is political party. I know. I can't. Um, help. I mean, it's just the truth. I could yeah. pick something cooler. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. And you know what you're most obsessed with could change next week after. It's true. A few candidates of choice dropped out. Interest yeah. Or something. <laughs> you know what? I quit. <laughs> I'm done. Never mind. <laughs> no, I'll vote no matter what. <laughs> good, good, good. So um, a little bit of a shift. Um, you have owned a record store and you've worked in operations and customer service, you're CEO. Is, is there a, another dream project or role or industry that you'd like to be part of or something in particular that you have your sights set on for a big cartel? Oh, wow. What a great question. Um, Man, I don't know. Cause honestly, I never even thought every time I get a, got a promotion here, I always felt like that was it. Like I'd hit my career <laughs> peak and that was All amazing. Right. Um, and I was super happy and content with it. And so I definitely am like so happy and content at big cartel. I feel like if I were to ever leave this company, I joke that it would be to like go run an NBA team. Like I want to be like the first female GM of like an NBA team or something. But that sounds like so much work, honestly. (laughs) I don't know after having (laughs) like a nice cushy job here where we care about every employee and we want you to have flexible time with your family and like a work-life balance. Like I have a feeling the NBA is not like that, but maybe I could bring my vacation to two <laughs> yeah. But maybe I could bring my, you know, personal take on company culture to you know, the Chicago Bulls or something. So we'll see. That's awesome. 
Is there anywhere in particular that you especially feel inspired or something that you go or do when you're looking for fresh ideas? Oh, yes. I mean, record stores and bookstores. Mm. So that's such an easy answer. I find so much inspiration just like browsing the racks of beautiful books or beautiful records. Um, you know, the people who work in independent rec store, record stores and independent bookstores are so generally so helpful and knowledgeable and caring and thoughtful. And that's the kind of company I want to build via software, via technology. You know, I want us to bring that warmth and inspiration from these, you know, brick and mortar shops into the online world where we're connecting with creators and artists too. So yeah, those two places are where, where you'll find me when I, when I need a spark of inspiration. Yeah, that's, that's a great one. I love doing that too, especially in a world that things are so frequently uh, digital or becoming more yes. digital in, you know, music and books in particular yeah. have become very digital. Um, it's cool to go physically see the thing and hold it in your hands and, pick yes. it up and flip it around. And There's something cool. really, you know, warming and welcoming about that. You know, I can like smell what a bookstore smells like and I can feel what a record feels like. And I think those things matter still. Do you have a favorite piece of advice either that you've received or maybe a favorite piece of advice uh, to share with new team members? I mean, I think the best piece of advice I ever received was as I was coming up as a leader in my job, um, in my career, I would often question myself and my approach. And I don't think that that's unhealthy. Um, I think we should always, you know, reflect on ourselves. But my husband actually said to me once, you know, being authentically you is what got you this far in your career. So don't go and try and change that too much. Mm. Um, and I think that was an incredible piece of advice because I think especially for, you know, minorities, women and people of color who haven't always had the same opportunity, um, it's easy for us to get in our own heads and start to question like, okay, I have this good thing going for me. I don't want to screw it up. Like, what do I need to change? Should I, should I be more maternal? Should I be softer? Should I, you know, say sorry more frequently? Um, and, and, you know, I, I think it was a really good reminder that, that who I am is what brought me to where I am and, and changing that wasn't going to bring me any more personal joy or satisfaction and probably wasn't going to benefit, you know, the end result of what I was trying to accomplish. Um, so yeah, I would say kind of to everybody, like look at, you know, be open to self-reflection, but also know, you know, what it was that brought you to, to that point in your life or your career and, and be authentically you, like own that and be okay with that. You know, this is kind of a shooting from the hip question, um, <laughs> but I'm sure there are lots of young women listening who have aspirations of leading a company or running a company yeah. or starting their own business someday. Um, do you have any favorite, um, you know, books or podcasts or other resources that you'd recommend would be a good, good point of view to, to have a look at or to, to read or to check out? Wow. Um, 
Yeah, you know, I think, you know, my favorite book that I've read that I feel like has helped me a lot in my um, my time, especially at Big Cartel, is a book called uh, Start With Why by mm -hmm. Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek. Sinek, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and it's a lovely book. And it was it's a super easy read. And I feel like it just really registered with me. And as far as being a leader, I always try and start with why. And I always feel like um, the more transparent I am with myself and with the people around me about that why, the better results we get. Um, so yeah, I would say that's a great starting point for anyone really looking to, to leadership. As far as, you know, women in particular or, or young girls, I would say more so than any particular book or podcast I can recommend, I think it's really about surrounding yourself with supportive people and a network of people that you can, you know, trust and bounce ideas off of and be your real authentic self with and, and find the person who will tell you, you know, you, it's you who's made it this far. So don't go changing yourself. <laughs> yeah, when you can really surround awesome. yourself by those types of people, you know, it's a, it's a little bit less scary to take these big steps in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, before we wind down here and let you go, I'm curious um, if you have any um, anything that you'd like to encourage the audience with or any asks or requests. Um, oh my gosh, is it so nerdy if I say register to vote and then go vote in our elections? Well, that's a great one. <laughs> okay, then I'll go with that. Please <laughs> register to vote. Go vote in our elections. Awesome. Well, hey, before we actually let you go here, um, tell our listeners where they can track down Big Cartel to learn more about that. And if you have any anything you want to tell us about Big Cartel, and then also where we can find you on the interwebs. Absolutely. You can find everything Big Cartel at bigcartel.com. Our handle on all of the social medias is going to be at Big Cartel. My personal one is at Anna is canceled. And if you're an artist <laughs> or creator, yeah, thank you. <laughs> if you're an artist or creator looking to sell your work online, I hope you'll give us a shot and consider us because we're your people. Awesome. Anna is canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I canceled myself before anyone else could. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, hey, it was a lot of fun talking to you today and learning more about you Same. and Big Cartel. Yeah, I had a pleasure. This was lovely. Thank you. Well, thanks for being on the show and thank you for being obsessed with design. <laughs> thank you. Take care. Okay, kids, that's episode number 135 in the books. For all of today's show notes, head over to obsessedshow.com. And if you haven't already while you're there, add your email address to our newsletter. I'll update you on some of my favorite new episodes and some cool things I find in my daily obsessions. Of course, all the links are over at obsessedshow.com to all the places you can find this show, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify. So no matter where you find your podcasts, chances are you can listen to Obsessed Show from there. Just head over to obsessedshow.com. The Obsessed Show is produced by yours truly, Josh Miles. To have me speak or MC at your next event, head over to joshmiles.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>